Welcome to Crypto Sapiens, a show that hosts lively discussions with innovative Web3 builders to help you learn about decentralized money systems, including Ethereum, Bitcoin, and DeFi. The podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only, and it is not financial advice. Crypto Sapiens is presented in partnership with Bankless DAO, a movement for pioneers seeking freedom from the limitations of the traditional financial system. Bankless DAO will help the world go bankless by creating user-friendly on-ramps for people to discover decentralized financial technologies through education, media, and culture. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Humpty Calderon. And today I'm chatting with Kevin Awaki, founder and CEO at Gitcoin, a platform where you can build and fund the open web together. We discuss the ethos of open source, bridging projects with developers and contributors, quadratic funding, and the creation of the Gitcoin DAO. So let's jump in and hear from Kevin about his crypto journey, which led to the founding of Gitcoin. So um, I've got a computer science degree from University of Delaware, 2006, and I've basically been a software developer for the last 20 years or so. Um, I got ushered into corporate America when I first started my career, and I just like, didn't know startups were a thing. So from 2006 to 2008, worked in corporate America, and I really hated it. Um, and luckily enough, I found an opportunity to go work in startups during the Web2 startup boom as the CTO of an online dating website for a few years. Um, and just kind of like bounced around from startup to startup from 2008 to 2017. And everything that I ever did was built on top of open source software. I later learned that open source software creates $500 billion per year in economic value. This is before crypto networks, $500 billion per year. So more probably now that crypto networks exist. And um, software developers that are working on, on open source were just working nights and weekends away from their family as like a passion project. And I just think that's that asymmetry between value created and value captured for open source is just crazy. And so I started Gitcoin in 2017, thinking that maybe, hey, crypto would be an opportunity to right this wrong. Uh, and Gitcoin is a place where software developers can get coins if they're working on open source software. And the hunch was basically like, um, we now have billions of dollars of capital in this open source financial system. The, the money that used to go to some back office on Wall Street in the old financial system is now going to go to open source software developers. So there's more opportunities to get software developers rewarded for their work in open source. And so, um, yeah, Gitcoin's just a place that you can get coins if you work on open source. And we've done about $30 million worth of value transfer to open source software developers in the last four years that Gitcoin has existed. Wow. Thank you. Thanks for that introduction to you, too. I think we've uh, had a few conversations that the first time that I mm. get a bit more detail as to your background mm. and how that fed to your desire to, you know, capture and, and, and distribute value to those that are creating these uh, these systems that are valuable to everyone. Totally. It's, it, it's really amazing. Like, just like every time I've started a startup, I don't build my own web server. I use Apache or Nginx. Every time I build a debt, like a, like, I never built a database. I just use Postgres. So it's like we're really standing on the shoulders of giants with open source. And I think we kind of take it for granted a little bit. That's great. That's great context because I think that that's exactly what Gitcoin is trying to solve, right? Is trying to uh, reward these people uh, or, or at least, uh, you know, elevate them, uh, give them more visibility so that people can recognize the people that are building this. And, and you're right. 
you know, I come from a IT background myself, um, which, you know, I don't necessarily always uh, talk about. And there is uh, a lot of value, especially in the private sector from these open source systems, you know, with Linux, Red Hat, all of these different systems that are, that are utilized, uh, you know, at the institutional level, at the server level. Uh, so there, there's definitely a, a lot that this is contributing to. And uh, it's wonderful to see that Gitcoin has recognized this and is facilitating that, uh, you know, that, that development as well. So give us a quick intro into just what is Gitcoin and how can people get involved both uh, on a, you know, on a project level, if you're trying to, you know, come in and as a developer contribute, um, you know, your time, your resources, a project that wants to, you know, support this type of development, how do people get involved? Well, uh, so I would describe us as a double-sided market that connects people who want to get coins to people who want to uh, get access to software developers. And increasingly, many types of knowledge work, uh, designers, illustrators, animators, copywriters. And and basically, so we've got two primary products. The first is like a bounty hackathon product where the basic use case is that someone puts up a bounty and the bounty will say, hey, if you do X, then we'll give you Y coins in exchange for doing it. And uh, about $11 million has been transferred through bounties and um, hackathons. We uh, we sometimes will just like sell batches of bounties to crypto ecosystems that are looking to recruit developers and, um, and you know, package that as a virtual hackathon, like a two-week sprint where you get to work on prizes within uh, a partner's ecosystem and earn earn coins and and hopefully find an ecosystem that you like working on. So that's hackathons. Um, the second project, their like way of earning that we have that's really taken off is Gitcoin grants. So hackathons are like, if you do X, I will give you Y coins. And grants are like, hey, I'm already doing X and I would like to raise... Y coins for doing it, and so it's just a way of recording of of rewarding people who are already doing great work in the space. Um, and sort of the magic with Gitcoin grants is that it's a crowdfunding platform, and uh, two weeks per quarter we run a matching campaign where contributions to open source on Gitcoin grants are matched by a central matching pool, and we're using this formula called quadratic funding that Vitalik and Glenn Weil invented which basically matches the projects that have a broader base of support over the projects that are just supported by the rich people. And so this kind of like pushes power out to the edges and pushes more democratic funding of open source software. So uh, TLDR, Gitcoin grants and Gitcoin hackathons are the two main ways that you can earn on Gitcoin. Yeah. So I think for many of us uh, in this space, hackathons are pretty familiar. Uh, you know, if, if we haven't taken part in one, we certainly have heard about them. Um, but I, yeah, I think Gitcoin Grants is revolutionary in particular because of that formula of quadratic funding. Uh, so maybe we can explore mm-hmm. that a little bit, right? Because I don't think that that is terminology that many of us uh, understand, at least without, uh, you know, looking it up first. So you mentioned Vitalik and one other person, I didn't catch the name of that person, uh, contributed to the development of that process. Mm-hmm. How does that work? What's its value? And maybe also explain what are some of the risks inherent to quadratic funding? Yeah, totally. Um, so uh, Vitalik Buterin, Glenn Weil, and this this woman named Zoe Hitzig wrote the paper on quadratic funding. 
And basically the way it works is um, we've actually created a little calculator that sort of displays how quadratic funding works. WTF is QF.com is our little uh, quadratic funding calculator. And what I'm doing here is I'm basically, uh, if I put into this little calculator, um, project one raises $10 from one contributor and project two raises $10 from 10 contributors, then project two is going to get way more of the matching pool because it's supported by a broader base of the community. And that's really powerful because um, if you want to fund public goods, really, um, and you want to do it in a democratic way, uh, you want to, instead of like, if we were doing a one-to-one a one -one matching, then all of the matching funds would just go to what the rich people like. But with quadratic funding, it optimizes for what the poor and the many like over the rich and the few. So it pushes power to the edges of an ecosystem away from whales. And that's what's really powerful, powerful about quadratic funding is that it's all about how broad your support is as opposed to how deep and rich those people are. And so that's really powerful way of funding public goods and doing it in a democratic way. And so that's why I'm so proud of, of Gitcoin grants leveraging quadratic funding. And, and again, I'll just like, all credit goes to Vitalik and Glenn and Zoe on this. Like, I'm just like the hip, like, I like to put like neon hipster interfaces on good ideas. Like they're the ones who came up with the, with the really great formula here. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tip my hat and I'll invite anyone who isn't already following you on Twitter to do so. You are certainly one of the more entertaining people to follow. And I mean, I say that, you know, with all respect and admiration, because I think that you're able to take very complex systems and make them fun. You know, wh whether that is, like you said, sticking something on it where it looks pretty and nice, or it's just facilitating that, you know, complexity into something that's accessible, digestible, just easy to understand. And so I, I find that admirable. You know, my personal mission is to help advance this space through education. But, you know, it, it's difficult because it it's really isn't simple at all. There's a lot of complexities in everywhere you look. So it's really fun to follow someone like yourself and just see that and go, oh my gosh, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way you do it. That's really fun, you know? Yeah, I mean, um, I'm lucky to have a bunch of really great designers and illustrators at Gitcoin. And I think that, you know, if there's a concept that takes a thousand words to describe and you can describe it in a picture, a pic like, you know, a picture is worth a, a thousand words is the, uh, is the old trope, you know? So, so breaking down these crypto economic concepts into a way that people can viscerally understand is something that we've been trying to do a lot of. And, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to communicate the power of crypto. So it's, it's about onboarding and education. So um, I will be your brother in arms on that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's funny um, that you mentioned a picture is a thousand words or, or is worth a thousand words. I think that that is especially true in crypto. And I think one of the things that I've noticed, um, you know, I, I think that succeeds very well for projects that are, you know, doing their marketing or whatever in education is memes. Memes are, are just clear winners in crypto. And I think it just, it just goes back to that. How can you put together a good picture that trans, transmits or, 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 or basically takes that information and it does and it communicates that in a very simple way the like a, a meme is sort of like the smallest atomic unit of an idea that you can interact with and a lot of people are memeing for the lols but i think what's interesting is is like 
and maybe the last time we did an event together, I said something like any, any sufficiently advanced mechanism is indistinguishable from a meme. Um, and, and, you know, that's like, that's like true. Like Ethereum is this like super complicated blockchain. Um, but you see bag holders of Ethereum that are, that are making memes about how great ETH is. And, um, and I think that like, that's my, that's, that's sort of like my goal for any sort of like spreading any awareness of a mechanism is to make it simple enough that it's something you just hit retweet on because it viscerally hits you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, exactly. You, especially images, I think, and maybe I don't want to get too far away from our conversation, but maybe that's one of the reasons why NFTs are so visceral is, you know, you, you either like it or you don't. And sometimes even if you don't like it, 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 it does something. It, it causes a, a reaction inside of you that is just, uh, you know, primal. And then you react to it. And that reaction, I think, is extremely valuable. Um, and yeah, no, I absolutely. I agree with, you know, I think that the Ethereum community is blessed to have, uh, a large group of individuals who are knowledgeable, but certainly, uh, don't take themselves too seriously. Um, you know, I've seen a few who are really successful like you in terms of being able to communicate those ideas in a really fun way. Brian over at rabbit hole, for sure. It's always fun to, you know, and he does it maybe more on a text a text-based way, you know, but still takes that, these really complex ideas and, uh, makes them easy to understand. Yeah. I think that's rabbit holes. Like literal job is to explain DeFi ecosystems <laughs> to, to take people down the rabbit hole. So yeah, he's great. Yeah. I mean, if you, yeah, you, you have to be able to capture that value proposition and, and do so repeatedly, uh, because that's really how rabbit hole will succeed. And hopefully how everyone will too is, is through that memification to that education. So not to get too far away, I want to come back to what you were talking in terms of quadratic funding and, uh, you know, uh, spreading this to the fringes, really not have it not be about the wealthy and really what they perceive as to be valuable. And I think it's, there's a parallel here, right? In terms of, you know, funding and voting, right? Currently, there are these plutocratic systems where the more tokens you have, the louder your voice, the more that person uh, can carry their weight into these voting mechanisms. Uh, this, and so maybe that's more familiar for those uh, who are used to voting, whether it's you know, through a DeFi protocol or through a DAO. Uh, whereas you know, with funding, is, it's a similar uh, challenge. You have these people who see value in certain projects and they will support that you know, with, with a larger bag. Does that mean that they need to have that same amount of support in terms of the money coming out of these grants? Uh, it, it, and so I, I, I really like the idea that you're trying to solve for this in the funding level. Um, but there, there, there's maybe something interesting there as well in terms of some of the ways that this can be gamified, right? right? And so the next, the next part of this topic is civil resistance. Uh, so can you introduce what that is and how that's a challenge for quadratic funding and some of the potential solutions to that. Yeah, totally. Um, so basically, if uh, Project A gets $10 from one contributor and Project B gets $10 from 10 contributors, then Project A, or sorry, the one that has the most contributors is going to get most of the matching pool. And so, you know, if you're, if you're some whale and you're looking to deploy capital to Gitcoin grants or any other quadratic funding mechanism, you're looking at it and saying, well, I could get more bang for my buck if I just spin up 100 fake identities and like launder the money through those identities. 
And that's the Sybil problem. It's basically the sock puppet problem where if you're a whale and you want to spread capital through the mechanism, how can how can you manufacture identities is is like the civil problem. And civil resistance is making a system resistant to the civil problem. So basically increasing the cost of an attack such that it's no longer economically rewarding to manufacture those identities. So that's that's basically what um, civil resistance is. And having a solid foundation for civil resistance is um, uh, something that we've been iterating towards with Gitcoin grants. And my philosophy is just basically the amount of money at risks at, at risk as that increases, the um, amount of civil resistance in the system has to increase also. So basically, you know, we started off Gitcoin grants round one with twenty five thousand dollars worth of matching pool, and now we're I think in Gitcoin grants round. 11, we're going to have 900K worth of money in the matching pool. And you just have to ratchet up the cost of forgery as you ratchet up the amount of money that's in the pot. And, um, you know, there are people out there who will say, like, you you should, you shouldn't even do any quadratic funding until you have 100% civil resistance. But I just, I just disagree fundamentally that perfect should be the enemy of good. And um, I've seen Gitcoin become sort of a nexus for a lot of different civil resistance projects in the ecosystem. Identa, Proof of Humanity, Bright ID, and a few others, uh, and that are are using Gitcoin to get more users for their systems, but in return they give civil resistance back to Gitcoin. So we just kind of got an iterative approach to solving that problem. No, it's wonderful. Uh, so for any uh, one here in the audience that is uh, interested in seeing how that works, uh, it, you have to set up your. Uh, uh, your DID in this case, uh, you know, either using using any of the protocols that are built into or or connected to to Gitcoin, and like uh, Kevin mentioned, some of those are Bright ID, IDNA, Proof of Humanity, where you create that decentralized identity, and then you're able to then through that uh, show that you're a unique human. Uh, that in itself also gameable, but like Kevin was saying, it really is about trying to capture as much value without necessarily being perfect. But uh, as, as you are iterating, I think maybe it's worth introducing one other project that's getting spun up uh, right now through Gitcoin, and that's Proof of Personhood. Yeah, so basically um, what Gitcoin has done, like if anyone has a Gitcoin profile, um, if you just go to it and you click on the Trust Bonus tab, um, there's basically all these integrations that we've done where... Uh, we've like painstakingly integrated with all these different civil resistance providers and um, aggregated them into one identity, which then informs uh, your like civil anti-civil rating on Gitcoin. And so one of the things that we're really trying to do is create more civil resistance in the ecosystem. And one of the ways that we're thinking about doing that is making your Gitcoin anti-civil score available to any other DApp in the ecosystem. So there's a ton of apps that need to have civil resistance for various reasons um you know like quadratic funding is just one thing that needs needs uh civil resistance there are a bunch of other use cases and so the idea is that like we're kind of like swallowing the turd of like integrating with all these different services and pushing the civil resistance uphill and if we can just make it so that it's like one line of an api for other apps to integrate with our civil resistance scores then it just unlocks a whole lot of innovation in terms of civil resistance in the ecosystem and so we're working on this project called proofofpersonhood.com, which is basically uh, like a proof of personhood passport that just basically allows you to take your Gitcoin identity 
um, with you across the D-Web. And, and when I say get, take your Gitcoin identity across the D-Web, I want to be very clear that I'm only talking about the civil resistance parts of your identity. I think it's really effed up that like when you go to a liquor store to buy liquor, you give the clerk your driver's license and they have to they can see your date of birth, your name and your address in that information. Like that's effed up. We do not want to do that online with the way we're doing our identity systems. And so we only show people your civil score when um, you use the proof of personhood passport. And so that's that's sort of like one of the projects that's on the back burner right now at Gitcoin is enabling more civil resistance in the wider ecosystem. Yeah, and uh, all of that is feeding in to that ecosystem, right? Um, to bring more uh, authenticity and to bring more value to the people that are participating in this. But like you said, extending that beyond that, since you already have the mechanism uh, that supports, you know, Gitcoin, uh, being able to share this, you know, with other projects so that they can take some of that value as well. Yep, totally. So I think we we we're, we've reached a good point where we can transition into the DAO and some of the, you know, the reasoning for wanting to decentralize Gitcoin and, and that path to decentralization. So what was really what sparked the decision to take with some, something that's, that works, which is Gitcoin, and saying, you know what, let's start, st start the process to decentralizing Gitcoin? Yeah, well, you know, I launched Gitcoin in 2017, back when everyone and their mother was doing ICOs. Um, and I'm super proud that we like we didn't launch a token and we just focused on community and like creating a use case that people loved. And and so, you know, for me, it's always been about that mission of growing and sustaining open source and and specifically the, the like the creators that have learned have have started like depending on Gitcoin for their next gig and for their for how they're earning. Um and, and like I was at ECC this year and there was like a, maybe a dozen and a half people that came up to me and they're like, yo, this is how Gitcoin impacted my career. And that's like a, pro that's a profound moment to be having this impact on all these different, different lives. And, um, and so like one of the things that we kind of learned over the course of 2017 to 2020 was like, oh my gosh, there's a ton of governance problems here. Uh, if we're going to be trying to be a foundation of how people earn and how open source is funded, then we need to be more credibly neutral and we need to be governed by the community that we served. And if we're going to be a centralized company, then um, there's some problems with basically whether we're in service to our mission or if we're in service to um, something else. And, you know, I think you see this problem with like with Upwork and a lot of the gig economy apps out there where they're, they've just like, they, the, the standard way that, that a web two or like a gig economy app works is that they work really hard to attract users when they're first launching and and then they hit this network effect where you know like oh, like on Uber every every um, driver that joins the network makes it better for every user on the network and every user on the network makes it better for every driver because it's like more more customers and so um, that's called a network effect and a lot of these web2 apps when they hit this network effect are um, will just like start they'll start like oh we're inevitable now and they'll start extracting from those users that they work so hard to attract and I really didn't want that to be the fate of Bitcoin. I've run marketplaces in the past. I know basically the path that that that, that goes, and it just felt like it, it felt like becoming a DAO was a better way to go for Gitcoin than than being a company. And and the key point here is consent of the governed is the foundation of any legitimate governance. So basically, we want to be governed by the community that we served. And so basically, what we did was we released released GTC, which is uh, the Gitcoin token. 
and it's uh, a way of governing the Gitcoin network. And like, you know, in 2017, we didn't launch a token because we had nothing to govern. But in 2021, we got governance problems coming out of the years. Like, you know, is this person a civil attack? Uh, there's a dispute on this bounty. How do we resolve it? You know, things of that nature. And so by encapsulating the governance rights in a governance token and then releasing a DAO, that was the first step in decentralizing the governance of the platform. And now we're working to decentralize the actual product itself, both both in terms of the development of the product and the computation of the product. And so uh, that's Gitcoin DAO. It just launched in May, and it's a way that you can you can have access to the governance rights in in the DAO. And um, I'm super proud that we're going down this route of progressively de- decentralizing. Yeah. So I find it um, only appropriate that we started this conversation with you uh, mentioning that, you know, what Gitcoin DAO or excuse me, what Gitcoin does is distribute, you know, these funds out to the fringes in terms of being able to like, uh, you know, reward these developers. And now with the DAO and one of the value propositions to DAOs is being able to push out governance out to the fringes as well, right? Not necessarily into some sort of central authority where this, you know, top of the pyramid does all the decisions, but doesn't really necessarily reflect the needs of its community, the needs of its users. You've really kind of, uh, all of this really seems to align with kind of the mission of Gitcoin and what it seeks to do. And it also is, you know, doing it, basically implementing a lot of those, uh, you know, those thoughts and, 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 that, and that process to itself. Yep, exactly. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, I just want to like, I don't want to oversell it either. Like we're not all the way there yet. We still have got a lot of centralization debt, um, but we're, we're working on that. Um, starting with the stewards governing the Gitcoin grants rounds every quarter. So how were these GTC tokens distributed? Yeah, so um, basically what we did was there was a retroactive distribution that happened to people who had funded open source on the platform. So basically, if you're a user of Gitcoin um, and you reached some amount of threshold of funding and activity, then you got a retroactive distribution of GTC. And the design of that was, like I said, we wanted to be governed by the community that we serve. And if you have funded open source on Gitcoin, then there's a strong chance that you are the community that we serve. And so that was the retroactive distribution. I find it interesting. And I think we're kind of getting to a a point in time where we're able to identify the people that we want to join these protocols uh, much, much easier. Um, So I'll give you an example. I, I remember early through the DeFi protocol governance. Uh, token distributions, it was, it, it's still, I think, a bit of a task to find the people who are going to add value to your community and help you grow in the direction that really kind of serves the mission of the project. And what, what you've, I think what you've just captured there in terms of, you know, how GTC was distributed is you were able to identify these people because they were already part of your ecosystem and they were contributing to this ecosystem on a regular basis and making an impact. Right, exactly. Uh, well, you know, Gitcoin's... Well, I don't know. I, I don't want to paint too broad of a brush in the ecosystem, but Gitcoin's got like three and a half years of operating history by the time it's done that's retroactive airdrop. So it's, you know, pretty clear to us who were the people who were interested in our mission. But... Um, the other interesting thing that we've seen is that Gitcoin's become a source of data for other people who are doing airdrops. And, you know, uh, projects that um, are releasing a token 
uh, have. So, so there's a fine line here because we don't want Gitcoin to just be like a place where you contribute to public goods in order to get an airdrop. But you know, if you don't expect it, but and an airdrop comes later because you contributed to a Gitcoin grant, then then I think that's within the spirit and the ethos of what we're trying to do. Um, and so we've seen a couple of p- projects that had Gitcoin grants in the past include that data in their retroactive distribution. So that's an interesting trend. Uh, I think there's been maybe seven to 10 projects that have done that. Yeah, and I think that that just proves uh, the value of that. And um, I think it, I'll just reiterate, I think you know there's something to be said about building a product that has value uh, before creating a token, mm-hmm. right? That drives value into that product, uh, because, I, like you said, there was there was a history there, and there, and, and and because you had such long history, three years in crypto, whoo, you know, it's like <laughs> you're old and gray. Um, but I think that because you're able to do that, people weren't necessarily expecting it. Uh, would you say that when people got their GTC or when you announced that Gitcoin was going to be decentralizing? that people were caught by surprise or were they probably saying, okay, well, we we're wondering when and how you were going to do that. Um, I don't really know. It's a good question. Uh, you know, for me, it felt like this thing that was super obvious that we were going to do, but that's because I was planning on build. I, we, we spent six to nine months building the token distribution experience and like redesigning it. And so to me, it felt inevitable, but I, I don't know. You'd have to ask everyday community members whether or not they were expecting it. Um, I think, like, I'm super glad, I'm super thankful to Joe Lubin and Consensus for incubating us in the early years, but I know that there was a couple, I talked to a couple of people that were like, wow, I didn't ever think you were going to, like, ever leave Consensus and become your own independent project. And um, so in that sense, I think we caught people off guard, but, um, you know, if we're going to be a public goods funding source, then I think being owned by one entity long t- like I, I don't think it would have been legitimate for us for us to do it any other way so so hopefully some people saw it, it coming for for the right reasons so you also just mentioned something there in terms of the distribution you were working on that distribution model the me- that mechanism i i don't think i've seen yet or it at least hasn't crossed my radar of another project who's distributed their tokens in a way where you're kind of running this like educational mechanism first to teach people what it is and then almost like pass a test, if you will, to understand what that next level is before they get the tokens. Yeah. Can you describe that for, you know, for our audience? Yeah. Um, so basically what we did was um, in the retroactive distribution experience, we can, which you can still see parts of it live at quadraticlands.com. Um, the idea was in order to get to the quadratic lands and to get your tokens, you have to pass a proof of knowledge and then you have to pass a proof of use, and then you get proof of distribution, which is the actual token. And the reason that we did that was that Gitcoin's a mission-oriented project. And if you don't even know what our mission is, like, you know, the proof of knowledge was not hard. It was like, you know, what is Gitcoin's mission? And um, uh, and like, if you don't know the mission, then you don't deserve to get your tokens. Um, and the other thing that we did, which I think was, um, which was quite obvious to me, but, you know, hopefully it was a, set a new standard in the ecosystem, was that we made you do proof of use before you got your token. So this is a governance token. It is used to govern Gitcoin, and it has no economic value. And so basically what we did was we asked people to either vote on a couple of things in the Gitcoin network, or we asked them to delegate to someone who was going to vote. And like by, like one of the sort of like deep, dark secrets with these governance tokens is that no one uses them for governance. <laughs> um, and so basically what we did was... Um, 
what we we made you delegate to someone or or vote when you actually before you actually got the token and that forced like 95% of people to just delegate to someone who is going to be active in governance. And so basically we've got a governance token where 95% of people probably aren't going to bother to be involved in governance, but they've delegated their voting share to like 40 to 100 people who are going to be involved in governance. We're calling those the stewards. So basically contrast this with any other governance token drop where the token gets released and most people aren't actually going to use it for governance. Um, in the Gitcoin network, we've now got, I think, 15,000 token holders and every single one of them from the start has delegated their governance to someone who's going to be active which is a much solid, much more solid foundation for the governance of the project over the long, like a starting condition. It's, it's a more solid starting condition for the, the DAO long term. And so, um, yeah, just proof of knowledge and proof of use were two things that we baked into the flow. And I hope to see those become a standard part of retroactive distributions in the future. Yeah, you know, I think it, it just seems obvious, maybe coming from this, the DPoS ecosystem, where if you want to be active in governance, there's a delegation uh, of the of that stake, you know, you're staking that onto a node that you feel is going to be adding value to that uh, ecosystem. I, I think that you you kind of in a way replicated that in a very elegant way, where you know you you take these people who you as an individual say, okay, I align with the work that this person is doing, or I've seen this person be active, uh, you know, in governance, and so I want to delegate. To them, because I trust that the decisions they're going to make are the decisions that I would make. But you know, I'm just not going to be able to keep up with the different governance uh, initiatives that are getting proposed. Uh, so, where I would probably would like to be a part of that, I would prefer that this is actively contributing to the development of the ecosystem. Um, and I'm, I'm guessing I don't have any numbers in front of me, but I'm guessing that governance in terms of how how many of these tokens are being used? I'm not talking about the GTC ecosystem, but other ecosystems has to be very low, because like you're saying, the 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 token itself isn't necessarily always used for uh, for governance. Instead, it's probably used for some sort of market speculation or whatnot. Uh, but I I I I think that that is a wonderful way to uh, incentivize or increase that participation. Yeah, or like, you know, the other outcome that I've seen is that um, like only the whales will be active in governance because they're the ones who can actually sway the vote. And so I'm just super proud that in Gitcoin governance, like there are people who have aggregated hundreds uh, or in some cases over a thousand people that are delegating to them. And that's where their base of power comes from. And so I'm just like, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. And so if anybody uh, had the GTC token today, how do they go about uh, starting their their journey into uh, Gitcoin DAO governance? Mm -hmm. um, well, the social layer happens on gov.gitcoin.co. That's where proposals are posted. Um, and then from there, uh, typically a, a, a proposal will go to Snapshot, which is kind of like an off-chain voting mechanism. You don't have to spend any gas to vote on Snapshot. And then if it passes Snapshot, it goes to Tally, which is kind of like a UI for compound style governance forums. It's at with 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 tally.com. And so um if like that's where the tokens can actually be released from the treasury is if with proposals on tally. So um I'd say that those three places are the three places that you can you can kind of get involved and use your GTC for for governance stuff. 
Great. Yeah, I think um, I didn't know that you had added tally to the mechanism. I'm, I, I was aware of, you know, some of the social governance and the uh, snapshot. Is that new? Yeah, so um, I think Tally competes with Civil.org, which is Uniswap's front end, so mm. a uni compound style uh, thing. And so we've just started to use Tally because it's got a lot of nice analytics on it. You can see basically as people change their delegation amounts, who who the top stewards are and how that's changing over time. And so um, Tally's been great. Civil.org is also great. Okay. So what what can we expect from Gitcoin and Gitcoin DAO in the future? Right. Well, um, I, I will just note that, well, for this entire conversation, but specifically this question, um, I am the founder and CEO of Gitcoin Holdings, which is the project that got Gitcoin's mission off the ground. But um, I expect as more and more things get DAOized that um, I, I'm just another node in the network. And I'm, I'm someone who uh, has a lot of context to share. But when I say, when I answer your question, it will just be my thoughts and opinions as one person in the network. And uh, my sharing it should not be seen as a dictum of what the DAO needs to do. It should only be a way of sharpening my thinking and cross-pollinating thoughts uh, with other, I guess, like nodes in the network. I'm using air quotes over here. But um, I think I think the most important thing we can do is achieve our mission, which is uh, build and fund the open web and fund open source. Uh, I am super proud that we have created $30 million worth of rewards for open source software. But when I look at the stats, $500 billion per year in economic value created by open source, holy smokes, we have like one, two, three orders of magnitude of growth ahead of us if we're really going to truly achieve our mission. And if we do that, there's like kind of like a second boss, which is like other public goods, other things that are systemically important for the world but don't have business models, how do we support those with crypto? Um, and so I think the most important thing that the Gitcoin DAO can do, and again, these are only my opinions, um, the other stewards may disagree, is to make sure that open source software developers continue to be funded. And my big dream is that if you're Joe developer who works at JP, Tor JP Morgan Chase Bank, uh, you can quit your job and work for the open internet and just work, work on Gitcoin and adjacent Ethereum projects in the future. That's that's the world that we want to create. So um, that's kind of what I hope to see in the future from, from Gitcoin DAO, and that's the highest order bit for me. That's it. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you'd like to learn more about Gitcoin and Gitcoin DAO, please go to gitcoin.co and on Twitter at Gitcoin. Thanks for listening to Crypto Sapiens. Please give us a follow, like, and a five-star review wherever you enjoy your podcasts. And stay tuned for our next discussion.